Dale's Petcast. They provide unconditional love, unlimited companionship, and unquestionable support. We're talking about your pets. Useful information for you to better care for and understand your pet. This is Steve Dale's Petcast, brought to you by MerrickPetCare.com. Here it is, another Petcast. And I will tell you, this is this is going to be fun because, yes, Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos is a lead veterinarian, the lead veterinarian, the lead. Everyone else follows her at Merrick Pet Care. But most importantly to me, she's a friend. And I always feel comfortable talking to Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. Welcome to our second ever PetCast. How are you? I'm great, Steve. Great to talk to you and um, and share some wonders of exercise and the benefits for our pups. Yeah, so, you know, you are amazing, my friend. I mean, I, I, I call you and I say, I've done a 5K. And you say, <laughs> I just ran 40 miles. You know, and, and by the way, bicycled some of that and swam and and do all those things that you do. Well... Our dogs get into shape sometimes with us, which on the surface seems great. We know that dogs need more exercise overall than they currently get. But sometimes do we go too fast with that exercise, too quickly? Yeah, those are those are great insights, and I am I'm just I am a proponent of being active. So I have no judgment on how far or how fast or anything like that. But I do love being able to you know whether that's indoors or outdoors, be able to get some exercise in because not only is it important for us um, for our health and and well being, but it is so very important for our pets' health and well being. And to do it. Safely and uh, where it's an enjoyable experience and not something that they dread. You know, there are some some tips and tricks, and, and we can certainly delve into that. And I think one of the things is to really look at how um, you know what life stage your pet is um, currently and what their current activity level already is. So, kind of where their foundation might be. Because um, we, ha- I have three dogs at home and. One is a little two-year-old French bulldog, Riggs, and he, you know, with his mushy face and his short legs, um, his exercise regimen is going to be very different than Finn, who is our six-year-old yellow Labrador, who is my running buddy. And he pretty much, like, throughout the year maintains a a solid base of of fitness. And then at different times, you know, his fitness will increase and and, or decrease, um, just kind of depending but he always has a much higher level of fitness than Riggs does. And then you layer on top of that, we've got 15-year-old Stella, who's a German short hair and a, what I like to call, retired athlete. Um, so she, you know, with her age and um, her senses, she's a little bit uh, deaf and, and mostly blind. Her activity level is going to be very different. So I think it's really, really important for pet parents to look at where their specific pet is, not only in their life stage, but also their lifestyle. Great points. You know, and I suspect that even you didn't wake up one morning and say, I want to run 26 miles. You, you kind of train for that kind of thing. Should the same be true for our dogs to take it slowly if you're, for example, coming out of winter? 
Yeah, great, great point, uh, for sure. So you want to, just like we would, you know, there are plenty of programs out there online for a couch to 5K program or things like that where you gradually build up. The same is exactly true for our pets. Um, and some signs to look for as far as if we, if they're still enjoying it, if they're still, you know, physically in a good place, um, are if you're, like, for example, if you're out running with your dog, if they start to kind of lag behind or slow down, that's a real indication that, okay, hey, I need to slow down. Their endurance isn't quite there yet, um, which is completely fine, right? We all build, um, can build slowly, and that way we do it safely for, for their health and their joints and their heart and, and all of that. Um, the other thing, too, if, even if you're not running, but you're out, say, for a walk, and it may be you know, you're going a little bit further. Keeping an eye, especially as our temperatures start to rise, which is, is another fun part of spring and summer is that it's starting to get nice and warm out. Um, but looking at not only the, the length of a dog's tongue, but also the size of their tongue. So, uh, you know, we dogs don't sweat like we do. So their way of exchanging body heat um, is a little bit through their pads, but then also through their tongue and through panting. And so if they are panting pretty heavily and that tongue is growing in length and also growing in width, um, that's a good indication that they're getting too hot and you do need to slow down and, and, uh, and maybe even take, take a rest in some shade. So if your dog is going to be more athletic, is there a change in diet that we should make? Yeah, I, you know, it, a lot of it depends on, on what... Um, you define as athletic. So a lot of our, um, you know, our agility dogs and that do those short kind of bursts, I like to call them almost like our um, Olympic sprinters, if you will, um, looking at things that help to support those, those joints um, is going to be really, really critical because if they're making those fast motions back and forth um, through, you know, their, their different agility um, jumps and, and challenges, you want to make sure that they've got good omega-3 fatty acids, so fish oil in particular, um, to help to support those joints, as well as, you know, if, our, if we're going a little bit um, longer athlete, athletes, like we look at our field trial dogs and our hunting dogs and those sorts of things, having that good protein available to help to support their, their muscles as well as their immune system, because exercise can be what we like to call good stress. So it does put a, a little bit of a stress on the immune system but and the body, but in a, in a really good way. And protein helps to fuel your body's ability to um, adjust to those even good stresses that come along with exercise. So even for older dogs, arthritic dogs, are there things that we can do? Yes, and, I, you know, I, I like to say, and, and so do my veterinary colleagues, that age is not a disease, um, and it is really, really important um, to be able for our older dogs to be able to get out and have that regular exercise, but if they do have arthritis, doing things that are low impact. So, um, you know, for Stella, you know, we go on walks, and it's really important for her again, for her mental um, stimulation and enrichment, for her to be able to go smell all the smells. And, and what I like to say, read all the P-mail that's out <laughs> on the mailboxes and fire hydrants um, and all of that. And, and if any of us, is, you know, as I've gotten older and you start to sit for too long, everything sort of starts to get, 
stagnant. Um, your, you know, your blood flow isn't as great. Your, your bones and your joints get creaky and stiff. And that's the same for, for our pets. So having that low impact exercise, whether that's a slow walk around the block, or if you're fortunate enough to be near some, um, some water where they can swim and safely swim, that's another option. You know, if they're, um, you know, not super great at swimming, having a life vest. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. They make life vests for our dogs that have little bumpers that help to keep their head above water, and, and that way they uh, avoid that risk of any anything getting down the wrong pipe. Um, and so swimming is another really great exercise. Even things like um, just doing what I call core exercises, so um, practicing sit-to-stand. Um, and if you do that a couple of times, that's very similar to us doing some squats. And so keeping that muscle mass and those those um, back leg muscles firing can also help to uh, to keep our dogs moving later in life. In fact, as you've been talking, I've been doing squats. Uh, when we come back, <laughs> we are going to talk about overweight and obese dogs and also exercise for cats. What? What a concept. Is that even possible? <laughs> We'll find out with Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos. You know, for over 30 years, Merrick Pet Care has held true to their original vision, creating truly high-quality recipes. I mean, that's what they do. When, when I think of quality, yeah, I absolutely think of Merrick. Crafted and tested, offering wholesome meals for pets with industry-leading levels of proteins, vitamins, minerals, and healthy fats. Each recipe has been uh, real deboned meat in it with poultry or fish as their number one ingredient. Plus, fresh vegetables, fresh vegetables and fruits from farmers they know and trust. You can trust Merrick Pet Foods for your dog or cat. MerrickPetCare.com or find Merrick Pet Foods in your favorite pet supply stores or, like everything else, online. What a great podcast this is. Podcast, yes, podcast. I'm Steve Dale, and this is Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos, the lead veterinarian at Merrick Pet Care. There are other veterinarians, they're just followers. She is the lead. <laughs> you know, Dr. Lobos, I think the numbers are this in America 60% of cats that are indoor cats are overweight or obese. And about 50% of dogs are. That number seems higher than it should be to me. And are there repercussions health-wise for these dogs and cats? Oh, gosh, Steve, how long do we have? Do we have <laughs> hours or days? <laughs> well, I know you feel passionate about this because this is we're, we're causing all these health issues in many cases that are preventable. So explain. Right. Yeah, this is um, this is definitely a passion point for me. Um, and it is, you know, I, I think it, it's a struggle. I mean, it's a struggle for me with with my three dogs at home to uh, resist their little puppy dog eyes. Even Stella at 15 still has puppy dog eyes that, that can look at me and just melt my heart. And, you know, a lot of pet parents equate that look or that nudge. Um, when they're sitting on the sofa 
as if the dog is telling them or the cat is telling them, hey, I'm hungry. And really what it is is that they're looking for attention. Um, and so they want an interaction from you. There are, you know, a lot of times they're, they're like a five- or six-year-old child. They do want, you know, they want, they want you to pay attention. And, um, and so realizing that, that their, you know, nudge of your elbow or, you know, kind of pat on the ankle or something like that is, is really more of an attention-getting move than an actual hunger move, I think, is, is one of the key things to remember. Um, but obesity is, uh, unfortunately, a very severe disease, and it causes overall inflammation in the body. So it's not a lot of times, um, you know, I went, I went to vet school just a few years ago. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, you know, it was really a, at that point, the start was mostly looked at as a, as a cosmetic issue of, hey, well, you know, it's hard on their joints. It changes their body structure a little bit. But we know so much more now that actually that that adipose tissue or that what we call fat tissue is actually really inflammatory. And so it sends out all these little Twitter messages of inflammation all across different parts of our pet's bodies. And, you know, that can certainly show up in their joints, but it also can actually decrease their ability to take a really good deep breath. Um, because a lot of times when our pets are really overweight, that that fat can actually start to line their chest cavity on the inside, and then their lungs can't expand. And so if we take that and kind of, um, you know, put it into, into our terms, imagine not being able to take a deep breath when you're trying to, you know, go up the stairs and having almost like a weight vest um, within, within your chest. Uh, and we also see it show up a lot in cats where um, it actually can in, uh, excuse me can contribute to inflammation in their bladder and lead to them making bad choices when it comes to using the litter box and um, so it really can affect them globally across all parts of their body not just their joints that a lot of times we think about and you left out the big one for cats and that's diabetes of course and you know I would sure. argue I would argue that um, so many cats, millions, millions and millions of cats in America who are loved. They are doted upon. They live to be petted. They live on the sofa. If you're lucky, that cat who's obese is using the litter box, but that cat is actually clinically depressed. I actually go that far. Yeah. Because it's... Yeah, you know, the, the, I mean... That cat can't even groom himself or herself. That cat cannot be a cat in so many other ways. Right, right. And obviously we can't we can't talk to them. They do have a few, you know, decoding collars, I think, that have come on the marketplace, but not quite have been able to decipher all the cat talk. Um, <laughs> but I, I would agree. You know, and we talk a lot about, oh, well, my cat, I'll hear, you know, my cat just sleeps all day and that's what he loves to do. And, and I'm you know, part of me is like, is, is it really what he loves to do? Or that's just kind of the funk that he's gotten in because it's hard to move around and it's not fun to do other things um, because he has all this added weight on him. And so I'd love to talk to pet parents about ways to exercise their cats. Um, and, you know, we have here at, at my house, we have um, a basement. So, you know, you can take the kibble and, and put a few pieces of kibble up and down the stairs and make them actually go up and down the stairs to be able to 
eat their food. Or, you know, you can put the, the food in other places um, around the house and, and have them actually hunt for their food. Uh, because we know cats, um, going back to their big cat uh, ancestors, love to be able to have that hunt um, and prey sort of drive that they've got. And so being able to do those activities helps to stimulate them mentally and enrich their lives that way, but then also can burn a few calories. And and that nice balance can help to keep them a good, healthy weight. Perfect. Well, hopefully some good tips for all of you. Exercise your cats, too. It can be done. Putting food in different places, as Dr. Lobo said, engaging your cat with an interactive toy. You know, if fishing pole toy with feathers or fabric at the end of the toy, or lots of cats like those ping pong balls. Throw one or two in the bathtub and watch your cat play around with those. Have the kids put some plastic bags, or not plastic bags, I'm sorry, not plastic, paper bags together and make a tunnel for the cats to simply run in and run out of, or walk in even, and walk out of to investigate Movement is a good thing, and that's maybe where we'll leave it. Movement is a good thing. I think that's five words. Are those five important words to remember for ourselves or for dogs or cats, Dr. Lobos? I think for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Great suggestion for our cats, too. All right. Well, Dr. Ruth Ann Lobos, lead veterinarian, Merrick Pet Care, thank you so much I thank Merrick Pet Care for allowing us to do and sponsoring this pet cast. Thank you, Dr. Lobos. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day. You've been listening to Steve Dale's Pet Cast, brought to you by MerrickPetCare.com. And as Steve always says, be good to your pet and they'll be good to you.